0: hello and welcome to the pirates fan forum here on dk pittsburgh sports podcast network i'm your host gary morgan with me as always my good friend jim stam how you doing my brother
1: doing good man i got i got a nice winter beard started you got new glasses i think like yeah those those look pretty sweet dude Yeah, the other
0: ones busted like literally right after we got done recording last week.
1: Well, yeah, you locked your wife out of the house and your glasses got broken. I know how this (laughs) works. Well,
0: that's quite the delayed reaction then. That's been a couple (laughs) of weeks now. But um, no, dude, actually, she took that in surprising good humor. Like so good that I was like, what did you do while you were away? (laughs) Right. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's when you have to pull up the old credit card and look at it and see how much (laughs) shopping's been done.
0: I don't look at that, man. i I enjoy uh, I enjoy being happy and stupid. So, the postseason is in full swing. We already know that the American League has come down to Houston in Texas. They, I mean, that side of the bracket itself is a storyline, Jim. Yeah. I mean, and let's start there a little bit because. The Orioles really didn't even give Texas a challenge, did they? That series did not go as I expected. I I didn't think maybe the Orioles had enough pitching to go all the way, but I thought they had enough to not kind of just get beaten back by Texas like
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Orioles, I mean, it'd be interesting if I was a fan of the Orioles, um, I wonder what, I wonder how the fan base is taking it. Um, it's easier for me to sit back and say, well, look, man, huge progress. How many more wins did they have than they had last year? Um, they've got tons of talent. This is just the beginning. So I look at it and think huge success for them, but I don't know what their fan base is is thinking I was a little surprised like you, I think, that they didn't put up more of a fight, but they're a young team and this was their first taste of it. I mean, they have a lot of young guys.
0: I think, like I said on Twitter, you know, I'm not going to say that this isn't to say that they weren't a good team because they were, but you knew that that they were going to get bounced early, right? I mean, it just felt like they were a little too young a little bit too many places to, to just go into the playoffs and just take off Yeah, like a cast iron skillet. I think teams need some seasoning.
1: Yeah. That was a good analogy. I wish I had a thought of it.
0: Hi there, Daniel. How you doing? So, um, I don't know. I, well, I I guess like I'd be probably on, the fence a little bit if i'm an orioles fan they've waited a long time too you finally get you know a huge season with kids all come through it's the perfect storm of what you're trying to do if you're going with the tank and rebuild formula yeah right they have pulled it off and heck they don't even have jackson holiday here yet
1: i'm wondering real quick as we're talking here i'm going to look up i want to see what their payroll is and what it what what they're projected to be because maybe that'll tie in a little bit about what we want to talk about today, right? Yeah. With with some of these teams.
0: Right, like we here's Daniel wants to know uh do you think that the extended wild card games affect the teams? Yeah. Yeah, I do. We we talked a little bit about that last week, Jim, and we wanted to get into it a little bit more here in this mm-hmm. episode. Cuz the overriding focus of this episode is getting there versus getting it done. And Jim has the perception. I'll let him verbalize it himself, but no, it's no. more or less that teams are maybe settling for just getting to the playoffs or you see that happening.
1: I think baseball unintentionally builds that into things. Maybe Um, um I think that, you're, you're looking at teams that in Baltimore may be a real good case um, or they will be an interesting one to watch because you're doing it, you're building it, you've got all this talent, and then you decide how far you want to take it, right? Or how, how much more do you want to do to strengthen your position? And so, I just think that because there's been some randomness in the postseason, that it's kind of got teams to maybe not want to push the gas pedal all the way down, especially if you have some financial considerations to to to, which we know some teams do, that you have to keep an eye on things not only now but in the future, and so I just think that there's a push and a pull. Inward with some of these organizations, that it's a factor whether you see it or not, and we don't have any way to prove it. But other than just the fact that, mm, could they have done more? Should they have done more? I mean, this goes all the way back to when the Pirates were 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 in the wild card, and Bob Nutting had said, "Well, I just I wish we would have done a little bit more that season."
0: So we go before we go back to that. Yeah. Let me press back a little bit just to kind of help understand your position here, because Mm. when you say like, should the Orioles, for instance, they're the, for instance, team here, should they have done more? Well, when, I mean, they won a hundred games. So like when what should have led them to believe they weren't good enough besides the, the prevailing baseball wisdom saying you need some veterans, you know? Um, is that kind of what you mean? Like at the deadline, or should they have done it before the season?
1: Uh, I would look at the Orioles as a specific case of what are you planning to do from here forward with it? Maybe more with them specifically. Um, I see that their payroll, and I'm—I was trying to find it. It look looks like it was around seventy million this year. So, I guess what I'm getting at is, I want—I just don't want. The I don't want too much of, of the teams in Major League Baseball to adopt the strategy of, let's just get in and see how it goes. And I think that that's kind of where we're at with it. I don't even have a problem, Gary, with the postseason this year. It's been great. But I'm talking the bigger picture here with all the teams. and so Don't you think to a degree
0: the the way that the talent is distributed in major league baseball that's kind of just because there's not enough to go around i mean i don't think that you can look to build a perfect team anymore you know what i mean
1: no i i don't think you can either i i agree there's only so many so many impact guys out there um but i think what it does in my mind and maybe people disagree with this is that it ends up it ends up to me hurting the players more in the long run just in the sense of i want teams to be going for it as much as they possibly can and i think that there's just a randomness to it that makes that makes that too big of the equation for how teams are factoring in about how they're going to get there and what they're planning on doing once they're close. Does All that right. make
0: sense? It it makes more sense to me, but I still think that we can explore this a little further because specifically with a team like the Pirates... I need to understand exactly what you think they're capable of before we start having this conversation. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back from that, we'll do that. And Yark's got a good question here, too, I want to get to.
1: Oh, boy.
0: right, so we're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, and we're trying to, first of all, I think we've clarified Jim's position a little bit here. He's more worried about the overall game as it goes forward, seeing teams basically say, I need to build an 85-win team here. I don't need to worry about trying to to win the league, because once I get in, I got as good a chance as anybody, and that's going to be $100 million cheaper than somebody else. I guess the reason that I was struggling to understand your position is because I was trying to think of it from pirates perspective. They're not going to play with these big boys, no matter what. Sure. So I guess what is their mechanism for you to feel like they've done enough? Cause you even called back to like the, you know, the middle of the last decade a little bit. And I understand that. And I, I agree with it. And that's what Bob Nutting himself said. I felt that. Remember, we even had debated whether we've meant on the front end or the back end.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think whatever the iron's most hot, I guess. Right. So here's the
0: team right now going into next year. You're relying on a lot on a lot of young kids. You're kind of in a weird spot. If you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? You can't just go. Okay. Well, we got all this talent up here now and we got all these kids getting started. But we want the playoffs next year, so we got to go out and get some free agents, right? And You and I have talked about the holes. They need some starting pitchers. They need a first baseman. If you really want to throw caution to the wind, they need an outfielder, right? Probably going to bring back Cutch. You got all these things. To really, really go as far all in as you want, And I think the Pirates have that capability because I I think if they were to go, hey, we're going to spend 125 million dollars this year, that would considerably be all in for this club,
1: right? Right. Yeah. I I want. There's some of these
0: kids that ain't going to play. Is that smart?
1: Well, I just think you can. I guess it would depend on who it was um, that they got. Or where that how they allocated that money, I do want to make that distinction with the pirates. Is that I'm not talking 175 million payroll here, um, not at all. I, I but, think
0: to be honest, you're not talking about the pirates at all for this conversation, because the only teams that have the 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 capability of fluctuating to the degree you're talking about, where it's the difference between spending 250 million and 150 million. Are the teams that can spend two hundred and fifty million? Sure. So yeah, half the leagues out of this conversation to begin with.
1: Yeah, which is part, which partly goes back to my bigger point, which is I do think because of how baseball is set up, there's just such a financial factor involved with teams, and so how yeah. can it not be in these, you know, the ha- the have-nots compared to the haves, How can that not be playing an important factor in how you're doing things? And and how much to the extent do you want to extend yourself to do this? And so when there's more teams, and I just get the feeling that it seems like, you know, we've seen the talk of, well, this is how teams are looking at it. And this is how teams want to try to do it. Give yourself more chances to be good to get in as opposed to shooting to be great at any point in time. I think if that happens, it's almost like a happy accident. Yeah. there's another side of this. That that bothers me. I see your, your brain, your, your wheels are turning. Well, there's another side
0: of it too, that I think gets lost in a lot of this. One of the big separators with these real gigantic teams, like Los Angeles and New York. And you know, the, the teams that can spend, you know who they are. They usually are carrying around. 40 to 50 million dollars in dead money, too. Like, so their payrolls are way crazy, more, but that's a lot of dead money, too. So when you're talking actual player versus player, it's not nearly the gap that it looks like on paper a lot of the time. Right. Be- between at least the middle and the top, I would say. So I can see a, a way that this, this starts to work its way down, is what I'm saying to, to some of the lower levels, but it's still not a pirate's conversation. This one, I just don't see them being in a position where that matters. I think for them going all in would be like one year, they probably top out at one 160 somewhere in there, like right around where Milwaukee usually carried themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? At least realistically. After having watched Bob Nutting, I think that's the much as much as I can ask for, at least.
1: Right. I mean, we have to be realistic about, you know, who we're dealing with in general and then the overar- overall overarching situation in baseball. Um, is it necessarily a Pirates conversation right this second? No, but I guess what I would ask is. Or what I would say is, if we're talking about two, I think if you put two really nice pitchers on this staff, it changes things considerably. I think it would for a lot of teams, though. So yeah. uh, two pitchers
0: will get you a lot further along than than you know five mediocre ones once you get to the postseason.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, even look at the Dodgers. No matter how much money you spend, if you don't have your pitching in order, when it's go time you're you're probably going to be sabotaged by it and they were kind of a mess as this as the end of the year approached
0: right and here Josh is saying uh, spend 250 million and you win a hundred games, but it doesn't mean anything once you get into the tournament. it's all about who gets hot, not who's the best and I think is this not playoffs for every sport really yeah. I mean, th- this is this is what it is every year. It's why, I like a team like the Steelers, proudly backs into the playoffs as the seventh seed a couple years ago. <laughs> you know, I've, anything can happen once you're in. It's why we were also upset the Penguins lost to Chicago last year because
1: anything can happen once you're in. Right? and i th- and I think what I think what people are doing is they're they there maybe and I didn't do a good job <laughs> I've got so much going on right now. Uh, I didn't do a good job of verbalizing it right this uh, on Twitter initially. Um, people are very uh focused on how the playoffs are shaking out, and I really don't have an issue with sitting there and watching um what's going on in the playoffs. Yeah. again for me it's big picture do you want a bunch of teams that are adopting that policy during the regular season um, in other sports it's set up where the economics are so different and that teams don't have the luxury of saying well we're only going to spend sixty million this year we're well, only let's going take a team let's take a team like Arizona though because and that's where this started. This was a Joe Block tweet, and he had mentioned about, uh, hey, the Diamondbacks they won eighty four games. The Pirates were close to that, um, you know. And now, look, they're one game away or one series away from the World Series. So yeah, this they is where this they haven't lost
0: a game yet this postseason, right? But it's fair to say, no matter how generous you were with your projections of what Corbin Carroll was going to be. He's been every bit a superstar <laughs> like this whole season. I don't know if they necessarily expected they were going to be this good either. You know, really, Zach Gallen has never pitched this well before—not this well. Yeah, I mean, you know, and they have questions beyond like their their number two pitcher, to be honest. <laughs> so they they were doing great and humming, and even when they got to the trade deadline, they were humming right after the trade deadline they kind of fell back and and got smacked in the face by the rest of the NL
1: West to the and point they, where it looked like they were going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, and then they resurge
0: towards the end, come on and they and they sneak into the playoffs. They back into the playoffs. But I don't think it's fair to say they were only 8 games better than the Pirates this year. I mean, the talent is is really really something that I think gets ignored in a straight up stat comparison, <laughs> like like right. the the win totals um on a season. I also think they showed no signs of not going for it or screwing up or thinking that they were, you know, better than they were or accepting being an 85 win team. I think they were justified in thinking they were a really good team at the trade deadline. And before the season, you might have called them jumping the gun a little bit if they had tried to add more before the season not really knowing how those pieces were going to come together or that young talent was going to evolve
1: it's a fair point i think too it comes down to like a case by case basis of of the team you're talking about how things unfold and then perhaps when you're looking at them going forward a little bit and like when they're on the, when they're on like maybe what uh, a fan base considers the precipice of being good, of being legitimately good. And so if the gap in baseball is widening between the haves and the have nots, and I would suggest that it still is. And so you've got teams like the Royals or the pirates or, whoever you want to throw in that, in that category. Um, Does it make sense for them to ever try to get to the point where they're fully going for it in a year? And that to me is like the, the crux of my argument, which is, man, if you can never even feel like you can really go for it, that sucks and i don't think that that's good for the game uh, overall because you just you, you're you're always under that umbrella of well why even try why even try to get to that to that point we can't compete with that financially i guess yeah again
0: i i still think like there's a, there's more of a levels that you're that you're looking for You want to know like that in a series, you've got two or three pitchers that are going to get wins for you or have a good shot of keeping you in a game. I don't think you have to have five of those. So to me, that's a big separator between those haves and have nots. And I think that that's also going to create a different regular season record than postseason record. You know, So your regular season record may end up being in the 90-plus, 90 95-plus win because you have five really good pitchers. But once you get to the playoffs, that doesn't matter. Are my two or three better than your two or three? That's really what it comes down to. And I think that's what, what the game has changed. And they've put so many breaks into these series. You don't need more than two or three. In fact, your four or five now become your your awesome long man you know, like that you've never really had on your, on, in your bullpen before.
1: Yeah. Baseball in general is so unique in the fact that you've got these, this, this crazy long season. I mean, 162 games out of how many 200 and some days of the season that it's packed into. And then it's, it was a one game wild card and now we're into 3 and then you're getting into 5 and you're not even into 7 games by the time we get to the uh championship series and maybe that's just the bigger the bigger issue is it's is like baseball's got this such a marathon it's so long and then we go into a very very different type of atmosphere yeah. for the
0: playoffs. There's a lot of breaks built into it. And like to a certain degree, it, there always have been, you know, there's always been travel days and whatnot. But I do think, you know, you play 162 games where these guys are going back to back to back to back, just about every game. And then you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden we're taking all these breaks in between and you don't need a full rotation anymore. And you don't have to worry about not blowing out your bullpen anymore because there's, no real rest problems there and you don't have to sit you know your stud third baseman who has a back problem and you know and you don't even have the whole specter of hey your dh has to play defense now
1: so (laughs) right and you've got you like especially i think about it i guess you could do this on either side of things but like pitching in your bullpens and they're not being used well that's great from like a Freshness perspective, but it doesn't take long for guys to start feeling out of sync. Um, You know, your arm might be live better than it felt in July and August, but it's that disruption of that of that routine that they all have, and now you're then you add in on top of that, Gary, pressure, right? Pressure does does a lot to people in general. So, yeah. All right,
0: so I saw a comment underneath your your post about this. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it was a suggestion somebody had on on maybe addressing this problem that that you're identifying. And it was moving the trade deadline back to June 15th. And he basically said like you you should kind of go in with the team that you built and and see where it takes you instead of like this cherry picking teams that are the bottom feeders towards the end of every season to make huh. your team into something it isn't. And it would maybe kind of cut down on some of the tanking a little bit that happens towards the end of seasons and change the dynamic a little bit. I haven't really a hundred percent come to an opinion on it, but I thought it was so interesting. I had to bring it up to you. I wish I could remember the guy's name. I think it was Jeffrey.
1: Okay, yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at it much today. Um, th- that's interesting because that is another aspect to it. You mentioned it with the tanking part of it is you are seeing it, it the reverberations to all this is is teams are willing to just completely tear it down and then wait three, four, five years to build it back up into something that they think that they can internally sustain, right? And so that's that to me is all tied into some of this. So I think like if we could just, and if moving the trade deadline helps fight anything, I I would be willing to at least explore it. I mean, I'd, I don't I I'd have to think about it more cuz we always I would talk- think
0: there'd be a lot less movement. I think it would almost be it would almost turn into the old NFL trade deadline where you know absolutely nothing got moved. You know, it, you kind of just went in with the team you had because you didn't know what you were yet. You know, yeah. you don't know if you're ready to wave the white flag or not. And if you, if you're ready on June 15th to trade somebody, you probably shouldn't have rostered
1: them, you know, like, yeah. um, boy, June, boy, that's early.
0: It's early. Right. And Ooh. it's, but it's not ridiculous. And, 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 uh, and you're talking about impact. That would be an impact move, right? You're, you're impact moving that deadline that to get a reaction, mm-hmm. you're trying to change something. I'm positive, positive. There are some unintended consequences that you and I have not even thought of yet to that whole thing that could just destroy baseball, you know?
1: Yeah. But again, anything to like, see, this is the thing too, that I think like, that, like I said before, clearly I, I, I didn't verbalize is like, Man, I'd like to be able to keep guys in places longer, and when you sign guys that you hope to keep them and 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 compete with them, and I think what we're what we're seeing is is teams are willing to just cut bait, move on, get out from under it. If you think you're not going to be good, tear it down, and so you, you you're you're rarely seeing. We already were rarely seeing it, but now you're seeing it even less with players in the sense that teams are signing guys with no intention, I think, of ever, ever seeing those contracts through, except for a few.
0: I mean, let me tell you what I I think is one of the the worst examples of it, really. I
1: think the
0: White Sox this this year, I thought they built something good. I thought they had a nice core of young players. I thought so too. I realized some of them haven't played well. I realized there's been injuries and and they've tried. They went out and got free agents and, and whatnot. It was bad mixed players. I think they hired a, a crap coach and kind of wasted a year of, of their competitive window. But boy, did they give up quick. I mean, they didn't even, yeah. you know, I'm not saying like, Hey, I'm not going to sit here and tell you bridge years work, <laughs> but when you've got a nice core of, of young players, you like to think that you could go out and potentially do something, right? Instead they trade one of these like really good young players that they've barely given a chance to Marlins in the middle of, for no reason. Like they have nothing left, but Robert now they're probably going to trade Dylan cease this off season. Right. So what, what happened to them? I mean, like there was no effort whatsoever to hold on to, to, to the competitive window that they worked so hard to open. They were bad for a long freaking time to get there.
1: Yeah. And it really comes down to, I think the organization itself and that's why I mentioned about case-by-case case basis is you're putting a lot of trust in an organization to, quote-unquote, do the right thing or the hard thing. And I think we've just gotten to the point in baseball where it's very easy to do what the White Sox did, and 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 it's a safer route to go. And so, I, Gary, take a look at the Brewers. In the last five years. Um, I think you know where I'm going with this. It's just the sense of the, they had some success, right? And I think they did pretty much everything they could possibly do. Um, but nothing really came of it outside of getting into the postseason, right? Yeah. So, so is that? Just, hey, that's just the way it goes, or should they have gotten and taken a bigger risk one of those years and done something a little bit more aggressive? I think my answer to that, I'll answer it first, and then I'll let you go, is I just think that like they were trying to keep it together to see if they could extend their little window and see if one of those years worked out better. I think they invested in Yelich and
0: they know that he's not going to be productive for probably the last six or seven years of his time there. And um, probably felt like it's now or never as far as winning with him. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they tried really hard. They actually made a great trade for Willie Adamas. It was a terrific trade to get him from from the Rays. We always say the Rays don't give up good players, but Willie Adamas was a heck of a pull from them, and, and they didn't really die to do it. So they did a really good job there. They made another nice move to get Rowdy Tellez. He kind of helped them, gave them some power for a while, and they they cultivated great pitching. That's really what set them apart was their pitching. I don't think it's necessarily, I think Yelich has largely been a bad contract. I think they, they could be just as good a team spending a lot less had they not gone out and done that. And I would say they tried by doing that. You know what I mean? I feel like for that market that's smaller than Pittsburgh, I don't think people realize they're already stretching themselves.
1: You know, and what I mean? had then they felt the need to move hater too. Um, and that was an interesting thing to have to do. Well as that well. bomb
0: will only pitch one inning.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> don't don't you dare ask him to go four outs.
0: Like, let's see, let's read a comment here from our buddy Craig. He says, The Dodgers have set a pace of hundred plus wins for six out of the past seven years. They have one World Series not sure why this has been a discussion just this season the new playoff format has uh, same result i agree um it has been the same result la i think has been built for regular season success for quite some time and this year in particular i think they were dealt quite a blow on the mound there unexpectedly yeah. i think that's a different team if they've got Urias and Walker Bueller, You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, sure. um, that said, the Dodgers are probably getting close to, for them, what looks like a blow-up. Now, they'll be rebuilt within two years, but <laughs> right. I mean, I I think they're about to move on from some guys. Like, Max Muncy's just about done there, probably. You're going to see Kershaw either pitch one more year or call it quits after that playoff performance again.
1: But well, the the the, the only thing I would say um, uh, to the that comment would be the the difference now is that they've added more playoff teams. So, to me it increases the chances of yes getting in. But what does that mean for your um, – how, how do I say this? If you've got if, – if you're a fan of a team like the Dodgers and they get in and go, you know, seven years winning all those games um, and you take a team like the Diamondbacks and they get in, is it – Luck, or are they just as good as the Dodgers? I would have to say that there's an element of randomness to it that it's just simply about catching a team at the right time, which I'm fine with. It's just that I don't know that it's set up in the, in the best way possible, if that makes sense.
0: And then there's Houston. Seven straight yeah. ALCS, you know, I mean, like we talk about this randomness, but they were, they were dealt the deadly delay this year that beat the twins pretty handily. Like, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they deal with injuries. They deal with bad draws and the, and the structure of the, the playoff bracket. They, they just deal and do and keep going. And it's really hard to, to look at at the system and say that it's completely fallen into that that kind of disarray when mm-hmm. that team exceptionally put well put together well, you know they're going to make it. Now the other team that we always say is exceptionally put together is is the Braves. And while our buddy Dave White here really hopes that the Braves get eliminated tonight, which could happen, folks. Um, Dave is rooting for our cross state rivalry. So, but, <laughs> but Atlanta, they're built great, right? Definitely, They do exactly what you want them to do. Really, really push in all the chips, right? They're spending what they can. They've got all these guys locked up. You want guys to stay in places longer. That's going to happen. And they're going to live and die with it. As those guys age out, they're going to be stuck with some of them. Right. And, and they're going to block younger kids that are coming up in their system and they're going to have to find ways to move on. And they bet a smart organization, they'll do it one way or another. But I'm not necessarily sure that they're built to have a peak or a valley in their payroll all that much. You know, the way they've chosen to go about it is more stability. They're almost the Mike Tomlin of baseball. This is what we're doing. It's going to work till it doesn't work, and I'm going to die on this hill.
1: Yeah. Well, they they they're an exceptional case, but they they have locked themselves into a certain type of payroll for a while. Um, they're not they're not going to be able to go much higher, nor are they going to be able to shed much either. Um, Or fill in holes
0: if they do get necked up real bad, right? They're exceptionally healthy, believe it or not. Even though they lost Ozzy Albies for a little while, and
1: you know, yeah, yeah, they 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 are they are uh, to me almost in their own category of how they've done it. Um, Houston, to me, is amazing because they seem to be immune to all this, right? They 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 just keep winning and i don't know if that just becomes of like once that starts you get this almost like the phillies in the sense of just that that confidence man when you start to feel that it's playoff time and it's time to go dominate there's something to that i think i really do
0: there is hey so before we Uh, get to the next segment here let's take another break real quick we come back we got a special guest for everybody an old friend making a, a visit Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Jim and I are super excited to welcome back to the show an old friend. If you don't know him, you probably don't live in Pittsburgh. Smitty, (laughs) how you doing from around 412? Welcome back.
2: Appreciate it. I was just sitting back there watching you guys do your thing for a few minutes there. Uh, As always, you guys know I enjoy your work. Appreciate you having me on. excited to be here.
0: So I saw you guys were doing some pirate shows this year. So I know you've been following along all year. But, uh,
2: a little bit. What's funny is we we did not do one this week. We put out a Steeler show to a Penguin show. I was like, what the heck are we going to talk? I, I talk about that all the time on the show, though. I give you guys credit. Everybody else that does pirates content year round. I'm like, I do not know how they do it, man. But,
0: <laughs> well, for one thing, you got to have an iron stomach so you can watch it. Yes, but, uh, that's true.
2: I don't know. You we're we're You're sitting just here we're talking
0: about the, the Pirates trying to like move into the playoff picture next year. Right. And, and Jim started out with the premise that he's tired of seeing some teams so willing to kind of just throw in the towel and rebuild and destroy and everything. Mm. You've been watching the playoffs a little bit. you're watching some of these teams, they're enjoying the fruits of that. Arizona has torn down, and here they are coming out of the fires like the Phoenix. Houston, people forget, stunk out loud for about five straight years so that they could get to the point where they built this core that they have, to their credit, paid for and kept together and added to. Texas, perfect example of a rebuilding team. The Orioles, the Twins are constantly rebuilding. Philadelphia, even though they've added star power, built a lot of that team internally. Atlanta certainly has. LA always has. Brewers have. So every single one of these teams kind of took a backseat for a while, right? Mm -hmm. How do you as a fan take that in, Smitty? I mean, like, it's distasteful to watch, but damn it, it works
2: it does and I feel like I mean as a as a Pirates fan you know I'm just waiting to get to the fruits of that labor like we're talking about here but um, I I think it's probably more frustrating for those teams that I'm not going to say can spend but have seen their teams be willing to spend and then all of a sudden take a break from doing so to rebuild I think that's where the frustration probably lies for those teams because their fan base has watched them do things a certain way for so long be successful doing it and then say okay we're not going to spend right now we're going to do things differently and then we're going to add when the time is right so i think Boston, it's just like Boston a balance yeah, yeah
1: yeah boston's yeah. definitely in, in been in that mode
2: yeah so yeah, i think
0: texas it's like a balance to and some texas fans tried just to buy a, not a decade ago you know texas has
2: been fun to watch too uh going into this playoffs i really wanted arizona versus uh baltimore uh didn't go so well for baltimore when they ran into the texas rangers but uh that texas team has been fun to watch and uh I mean, I'm hoping, obviously, I don't know how we all feel here, but I'm hoping that they are w- who comes out of the American League and beats Houston, or in, Houston in the next round. So, uh, just for I'm something what they're doing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I went, we went into the playoffs and the American League looked like it was pretty much like compared to past years, you know, there's no Yankees there. There's no Red Sox there. Looks pretty much wide open. And then here we are with the Astros still in the championship series. And hopefully it's not them that comes out of it.
0: So Jim, I mean, yeah. what do you think about what Smitty? said there as far as dealing with it. I mean, he's going to see the fruits. He'll probably be okay with it for a few years there. And then right back to hating it. Once they, once they decide to pull the plug again,
1: what do you think? You know, my, my question would be with, with Smitty uh, to him is you look at is baseball just its own unique? um sport to watch in the sense of cuz when i think about the steelers right or i think about the penguins and the constant pushing to do everything that they can seemingly to 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 win championships and you know when you look at the pirates and you look around at other teams that maybe aren't the big spenders do you see that do you see the difference? Does it bother you as a as a fan in general? Um, do you see that is it okay that teams in baseball do it? Do we give them a pass if they don't want to do it that way? Is it okay? Do you think it is? Should it
2: be okay? Um, man, that's an interesting question. I well, I don't even I don't even know where I want to start with that. Just because the way that I the way that I see it, like I every team in the NFL. This is going to sound stupid, but you'll get the point when I get there. Every NFL team on Sunday, you know, that they're NFL teams. Every team in the NHL, those are NHL teams. I almost feel like with baseball, there's such a disparity that it almost seems like they're not all MLB teams at times. Like you have the teams that are spending to the to what they're limit is internally and you have teams at the lower levels too I I just I feel like depending on where a team is at within their their build rebuild whatever stage it might be it just seems like there's so much more disparity in baseball between the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom as opposed to the other leagues
0: And, and then I would say in baseball too this is where it's unlike the other leagues the Orioles clocking in probably around 70 million had over 100 wins this year they did. Arizona yeah. is four wins away from the World Series. They're
2: probably mm-hmm. about seventy-five. I mean, and the Rays yeah. do it all the time. You know? do like, it all so- the time.
0: So, I mean, I guess it gives and it takes. I I guess to me, every team is capable of spending seventy-five yes. million and mm-hmm. trying to win. Not every team is capable of spending two hundred and fifty and trying to win. I'll never get over that disparity because it's always going to be there. <laughs> that's right. And that sucks. But then I, I think we've seen tanking. We've seen yeah, Miami absolutely. do it. We've seen Cincinnati do it. We're just recently. I think we've seen Indianapolis do it recently. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't take as long in the NFL.
1: Yeah. I think that that's it, right? Like you can tank in an NFL season a lot differently and maybe a little bit more forgivably because you could turn it around really fast if you wanted to. Um, and in baseball, it's really just not that it's just not possible. So you're gonna put a fan base through three, four or five years of ugliness just to get a chance to get back to where you might be competitive again and hopefully, do something with it once you get there. But God forbid you fail once you get to that three, four, five years. And we're about Mm -hmm. to find out with the Pirates how that goes. You know what would help, I think? Another three, four, five years? Boy,
0: now you're talking a long time. What if Major League Baseball finally allowed draft picks to be traded? Because I think you're never going to stop teams from the allure of retolling with youth. What if you just said, okay, screw it, go out there and trade for a bunch of number one picks and get it done in a couple years.
1: You should be allowed to, and I think in baseball, because of all the disparity with the economic, you know, the, the just, how the game is, is structured. I think you should be able to explore whatever avenue you want to. And if it's going to do it through the draft and trades and picks, I'm all for it. All for it. I, give, that give, that,
2: give, that thought has think? never I been What would that do to the game? I, I I don't know. I try to like, that thought has never entered my mind because it's not a thing. Why why isn't it though? You know, like why why was it Why is it in place right now? I actually know the
0: answer to this question. Okay. It's not in because, um, major league baseball wanted to save the the teams from them, their own impulses to trade their number one picks and stink forever because they never truly bring any talent in Mm. it's old and outdated, but a long time ago, that's what they thought would happen. I would say that for free agency, time, and they've just held yeah. on to it forever.
2: I would say that it's probably time to revisit that then. And I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't been, you know, more of a topic than it is.
0: I mean, they let you trade com- compensatory picks. Yeah. So it's right. not that much of a stretch. I just, it feels like the way they hand out draft picks like candy, too. Now we're giving them out for um, playing a rookie, you know, at a certain time. And if they're, if they're rated somewhere by some arbitrary system that decided they're in some list. I mean, baseball's already bastardized their own roles a hundred thousand times. I'm just saying like allow people to trade draft picks. And I think you could have these rebuilds take two, three years as opposed
1: to four five. And now, I, I think it's a lot more palatable. Now, what if you could trade picks for picks or picks for players? Like, yeah. Current players. Yeah, you know, sure. like what What I'm thinking of is the Pirates situation with Skeens, right? Okay, you've got the number one pick, and let's just say it was Skeens and nobody else, right? This potentially generational pitcher, right? And you're sitting where you are with the Pirates right now, and you've got another team that says, you know what, we're ready to take Skeens right now we are loaded in the minors. We have all this talent or we have this guy that, however you want to piece this together, right? Why shouldn't they be able to explore those situations? Why not? I don't, I think they should be.
0: And I yeah, think the you know? audience would be stupid with it. And I also think that it's, it's a funny thought that you can't trade that guy because the pirates traded Shane Boz immediately after picking him Mm -hmm. they just made him a player to be named later and did it (laughs) like later on i mean like it's not as though it can't be done so i mean you'd get crucified for it but (laughs) i mean it's it's something that certainly can be done smitty we should let you get to the point of why you're on the show because it's
2: I I do want to go back I actually want to take a step back to something that I feel like was going to talk about when I came in and then we briefly touched on just in terms of like the process for teams I think you know teams that have because you mentioned the Orioles we mentioned the Rays are consistently there you know with lower level with lower payroll I think it's like you got to see the results from teams being able to do that though to believe in it like if the Pirates were contending with a 70 million dollar payroll or something like that then I can buy into the idea that they can consistently do that like the Rays but we just have haven't seen it come to fruition yet
0: the rays are actually the antithesis of what you're talking about jim i mean like well actually no they're the perfect example of what you're talking about they're always in sure they got 99 wins this year but that ain't what they're shooting for they're shooting for being competitive getting into the playoffs that's what they're doing and they were dealt A heavy blow losing Wander Franco, obviously, and a lot of pitching injuries as well. So who knows what what could have happened with that team. But you would never say the Rays are pushing all their chips in. Never. No. No. Well, and it's never resulted in a World Series. So Mm. to you, you're basically saying, no, that is exactly what I don't want to see. I want to see a team go. This is the year. I need this one piece. Here it is. Let's do it.
1: Right? Yeah, I think you're I think you're just encouraging teams to not want to do that for a variety of reasons in baseball. And so yes, the Rays have done a phenomenal job. They still can't they still haven't gotten to the top. And it's very hard to keep doing what they're doing and
0: you know (laughs) like daniel says and they can't even fill the stadium in the postseason absolutely yeah well well i mean think about how taken for granted getting to the playoffs is for the for the rays fan base they get there all the time it doesn't matter because they're not winning but they get there all the time You know, it's the, again, I I hearken back to the Mike Tomlin argument for why he's not a great coach because just getting to the playoffs doesn't matter. You know, you got to win too, right? Well, Tampa doesn't win. So I don't know, man. Maybe you have something there with like, there needs to be some mechanism that forces teams to want to put in that extra effort. But this playoff, at least, boy, having that great record didn't help. (laughs)
1: So <laughs> yeah, to, to, this is this, let me just say this last thing and then we'll get to, we'll get to something very important that, um, I know, uh, that Gary also, uh, supports, I guess, I guess what I'm thinking of is, is like the mentality in football and hockey is especially for teams that are, are, are dead serious about competing is man. The goal is to win a title. The goal is to win a championship. And I almost feel like baseball's gotten to the point where we're like, well, well, we'll get there. We'll get there a lot. That's still a good success. Like, hey, that's successful. And I just think that that's a different mentality born out of the situation that baseball finds itself in. And I just feel bad for fans. Because fans aren't going to see it that way, but I think I think GMS and organizations in general start to think in different terms in baseball. Hey, we made it. We made it six out of ten years. That's pretty good. Yeah, we didn't win anything. Isn't that good, guys? Yeah. I, I just I just think that like we're even getting talked into that as we watch baseball these days.
0: Well, let's go ahead and get a salary cap so we can complain about who doesn't manage the cap well. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take that any day. Yeah. So, Smitty, we wanted to have you on the show because we know it's getting. I, there was a crisp in the air the other day, and I was like, "Oh my God, Smitty, this dude, <laughs> this dude starts his awesome charity work in this in the fall every year, and I want you to talk about it. I wanted to give you a little bit of an extra push, hopefully, from our show." A little bit to help get your your message out there
2: yeah i appreciate i appreciate you know the support that you guys have showed the mission over the years since starting it and obviously appreciate the platform to talk about it right now but uh yeah so you know uh, Gary mentioned hosts a podcast called around the Four One Two started that in two thousand and seventeen and pretty much immediately myself my co-host Tyler weeks and at the time we also had a third host uh her with us and uh, we decided we wanted to find a way to give back to the Pittsburgh community in any way that we can, you know no matter big or small, whatever it ended up being uh, so we just started to goFundMe called it rocking around the four one two we knew it wanted to be like a christmas based mission uh, all of us were very fortunate to never have to worry about where christmas was coming from growing up. Uh, grew up in very fortunate households. And, and Tyler and I especially just you know never had to worry about having presents to open on Christmas. So that was kind of the idea behind starting the mission. First year went pretty well. We raised about $1,500. And uh, at that point, the first year that we did it, what we did is we bought a bunch of gifts from a list from this 24-7 pediatric center in Aliquippa, everything that they would need for the kids that they took care of there. Um, you know, And that was a very humbling experience for me to go there. And, and see those kids and stuff, just because, like I said, 24-7 care, Those pa- like the parents are the visitors in that right. situation. Uh, you know what I mean? So, and I can't imagine ever being in that circumstance. So, that was what we did year one. Year two, I had a friend um, and his sister was in a really bad situation. She had three kids. And I was like, man, should we maybe consider this being like how we do the christmas mission is providing christmas to kids like this you know directly in our areas the 724 and 412 areas so we can really like see where this money is going um so year two to where we're at now with year six that's the way that we've done it every single penny that is donated just goes to providing christmas in its entirety To these families. So that's getting the kids every single item on their Christmas list, as well as a $100 gift card for the families to a Walmart or whatever their local grocery place is to be able to provide a holiday meal for them as well. Because that's something else that's also taken for granted by a lot of people. But certainly, like I said, with Tyler and I never having to worry about those types of things growing up, we wanted to make sure that at least, you know, for one day, these people, these families got to experience something that Tyler and I were very fortunate enough. Uh, to have growing up. And then last year was the first year that we did this, but it's something that we're going to do going forward as well, every single year. And and also along with, you know, directly impacting these families that we, that we are basically nominated through other people who were, I was going to,
1: I was going to ask you that Zach is how, how does that work? Uh, How do you end up uh, Mm -hmm. finalizing a list?
2: Yeah. So uh we have just nominations of families. I like to have a little bit of background in terms of the family as well. And not that I would, you know, want to deny people or anything like that, but there is, you know, a certain amount of money obviously that we raise. So there, you know, I I try to do something for every single family. Now, what that amount might be or what we can do is going to vary. Um, but I think a really good example is a couple of years ago, there was uh, a, a girl that actually went to the same high school as me that was fighting breast cancer. Um, sadly, she lost her battle that Thanksgiving and we provided Christmas in its entirety to her two children. Um, and that was just, again, you know, you go into some of these places, you hear about the situations and it just, it breaks your heart that, you know, people have to go through these types of things, especially with those two kids at such a young age and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're really about like, you know, the stories and the situations that need it the most. Um, but I was saying last year We started partnering up with the East Rochester PA Salvation Army as well uh, Not sure if a lot of people are familiar With their angel tree that they do At Christmas time, but they have a tree That literally has tags on it Like yeah. a kid's name in, in, in their list So last year we were able To adopt 15 children from the East Rochester Salvation Army along with The families that we helped out And we're going to continue to do that because how that started um, Last year I lost One of my friends, Dalton Keene uh, back in October, and when I reached out to his girlfriend about providing Christmas for their daughter, she was like, "Hey, listen, from a financial standpoint, like we're good. We have so many people that want to help us out. Can we instead adopt kids from the Salvation Army in Dalton's name?" And I, just, I, I mean, that was like the most like I, I'm about to get emotional on here. Don't talking do it about to me.
0: It. Don't do it to uh, me.
2: <laughs> so uh like i said last year was the first year that we did that but we absolutely want that to continue as well so we became official partners of the east rochester salvation army last year and I, and, and why i specifically first off that's seven minutes from me east rochester uh being that i'm in monaca but also they are and i don't know if a lot of people know this they also operate as a food bank they have a church in their building as well and every single kid that goes there for after school programs they teach an instrument so they do so many different things over there that I don't think a lot of people realize from the Salvation Army. So we're just super honored to be able to partner up with them as well every single year for Christmas. So, yeah, through five years of doing this, we've raised over $25,000. Uh, this is going to be year six, obviously, and we think it's going to be our best year yet. Thanks to you know people like Gary and Jim here and everybody that shows us support.
0: It's awesome, man. So, how do people find it? Just on social media, or
2: yeah, I have a a direct GoFundMe link that I can send you. Um, if you if you wanted to put it in the description of the show or something sure. like that. Um, but yeah, it's on our social media. It's all it stays our pin post on X for the duration. Facebook, you can find us as well. Uh, Instagram, whatever social media platform you're into, we are there at around the four one two as well, and it's our pin post on all those platforms. So it, the GoFundMe also has, if you're familiar with GoFundMe, we'll give you the full rundown of the mission. Kind of like I just did probably a little bit more in depth. I'm sure I'm forgetting some details, um, but yeah, every, all the information's right there. And uh yeah, it's been uh like, I, we, I call it my baby. I think it's the most important thing that Tyler and I do. And uh don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So we're really excited about your six.
0: It's great stuff, man. And, you know, just getting to know you over the years and, uh, what this mission really means to you. Uh, I just, I do think about it every single year and I I love what you've done. And I hope everybody that's listening, if you have some spare, please help out because it's, it it is good. And I've seen the evidence of, of, of it being used. So I I know Mm -hmm. where it's going. And I think that's something that we should all be, be excited about. And we know it's going local too. So good stuff.
1: Yeah, man, I I look at it this way: like we all we all do our thing with you know social media and podcasts and whatever. Um, nothing is more important than this um, endeavor you guys have taken on. I always give you and Tyler so much uh, respect for it because there are people that like to talk a good game out there and you know, act like they are um, people that are uh, a little holier than that. You guys are actually doing things and making a difference and impacting people at a time. And relatively quiet about it too. Yeah, that's the other thing is you guys, you know, you go let 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 me brag on you a little bit because I think it's just <laughs> I think it's just a, I think it's just incredible because Christmas, the holidays, man, it's 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 so needed to know smitty
0: is to love him so hey listen to his show around the 412 he and tyler do a great job covering all the sports um and they know where they're deficient too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Buc- <laughs> we also know
2: where to sit se- we also know where to send people on what we're to on. that's
0: right so hey good stuff and good talking baseball with you guys again so hey until next week let's finish the show the way we always do we'll toss it off to ben and i'll say it for you watching on video let's go bucks,
1: yeah, go bucks!